0: Hi, everybody. This is John Monolosky. Um, I'm bringing this podcast of success, secrets, and stories to you today. Uh, I am the author of the book, Building Your Leadership Toolbox. And I'm here with my friend, Greg Powell. Right? Hey, everybody. All right. So today's discussion is about the drama triangle. And I've always found the drama triangle is one of the challenges that really has affected my career and a lot of what I have done with my leadership tools. This is probably one of those tools that I wanted to talk about first because a lot of discussions don't really come across as a discussion. Some of them are more argumentative. I personally think that people who go through the uh, discussion about Debates and, and how to handle debates are counterproductive for uh, a lot of conversations. And I've heard different names for that. I've heard uh, fierce conversations, debates. Um, Greg, I think you have a couple others.
1: Yeah. When you get to some kind of commonality and you're happy about it, you call it a violent agreement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> violent agreement. I love that one. And... and Whenever you're dealing with a violent agreement, um, I found probably the most challenging conversation I had was with someone who was educated as a lawyer, uh, an arbitrator, actually, from England. And him and I, in terms of a discussion, we found it very difficult in order to try to uh, find common ground. It got to the point where I had an opportunity to go out to England and, and talk to him. and. What I thought was interesting is I didn't understand that he was a trained arbiter. And he explained to me that this is how he was going to find common ground. This is how lawyers work out the idea. They argue, they argue the points they argue each other's points, which I find very interesting because, you know, they're they're switching roles in the midst of the conversation. That's what would kind of drive me a little nuts. Um, You know, going, going the opposite direction and now having my discussion and, like, wait a minute. And that that's just what I said. Those argumentative pieces were even happening when I was there in England. And it got to the point where he said, Why are you so upset? I said, when you see the neck, my my the vein in my neck starting to pop, you know that the discussion has gone beyond mm-hmm. academic. And now it's become physical or 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 Beyond argumentative, I'm trying to think of the right word. I think you had the best one. What was it again?
1: Oh, alternative dispute resolution.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. And and see now, if you use those words and you start to find some sense of humor, and that's what we did in order to try to make the conversation work. We got along really well after that point. But doing it over the phone didn't work, and it was only making it worse. And people who are on webcasts right now are, are seeing that same thing. And I have I have picked up the phone after a webcast to talk to somebody because wherever that conversation was going, I didn't want that to continue. And probably the best, rather the most important skill that you can have is listening, and when you speak. Try to speak so that it isn't um, counterproductive. you You may not disagree. And that, I think, is the problem when people have a bully pulpit. They're in and in a position. they're in a, a position of authority. And we talked about that last podcast. Uh, greg, the the magic of using your title, I think you said it has a brief history.
1: Yeah, it doesn't last real long, John. You can flash that title once or twice, and at some point, the employee says, "I'm not following this person. I'm not impressed." Uh, you've got to earn the
0: trust. And you can you can agree to disagree, but you you shouldn't be. Uh, if you're, you're if you're looking for just a yes man, you're probably going to have a very short career. Yeah. And people who are in management want that engagement. They want to make sure that you're doing your job, but you're also trying to push that envelope. You're looking for creativity, looking for different ideas and drama counteracts that pretty fast. Um, Emotions are the worst thing that you can bring into a conversation. And when Dr. Durst was talking about um, conversations and trying to make the point of um, where Conversations go into the toilet pretty fast. That would be the drama triangle. And Stephen Cartman was somebody that he introduced that started a concept back in the 1960s talking about the model of dysfunctional social interaction. Now, now you know, that's, that's definitely a psychologist coming up with that term.
1: That's a mouthful, John.
0: That's a mouthful. And so, but he did a very good job of talking about three basic roles. One being the victim, one being the rescuer, and one being the prosecutor. And yes, I have seen those arguments when there's three people involved. The, the best lesson that I learned is that drama is based on those positions changing. And Shakespeare did a very good job of using the drama triangle. And some of the descriptions of the roles are let's let's call them theatrical. Because it's it's also a very good way to try to give an idea of a profile of somebody who would be a prosecutor. They would be angry or aggressive or judgmental, bullies, or demanding. I don't know. I don't know. That gives you you've you've seen the drama triangle. Victims are are often the poor me and They're manipulated and they're needy, and they're the first ones that say that somebody else is doing it. It's not me, Um, blaming others, and and basically down downtrodden. The rescuers, I, I okay, I feel a little self conscious about this because I've been in this role. This is where you're coming in and trying to help, but you appear to be helping if if you're superficial about actually rescuing somebody it's more acting than it is functional. You're trying to get them to stop arguing. It doesn't mean that you're trying to rescue or you're actually in a position where you feel that need to be a rescuer and you find satisfaction in that role. And you're prone to meddling or, or or sticking your nose where it's not supposed to be. These, these things, these characteristics is also something that uh, Dr. Kirkman was talking about is, you're possibly wired for if you feel that you're a victim you're going to go into most of these conversations and you're going to act like a victim that's the the element of who you are and what you bring to the conversation if you aren't self-aware of your approach to a conversation if you can't hear yourself that's where you start getting into the drama triangle now Shakespeare loves to use the drama triangle and change the roles. So the prosecutor becomes the victim. And I'm pretty sure you can think of some of the plays where that takes place. I always like the Star Wars example, because depending upon which episode, the characters are either rescuers or victims or prosecutors. So you can have a series that goes three or six or nine different um, versions because they're not all doing the same thing. They're they're changing their roles. Welcome to drama. Um, so, John,
1: it sounds like you're talking about that psychology thing you brought up earlier,
0: right? Right. I mean, it's I mean, as much as people don't like to use the word psychology in operations, it's like uh, it's happening whether you're conscious or not. Uh, and if you put it in the context of psychology, there's some advantages of of being aware when you're actually let's say being manipulated by it because there's there's okay. Does this happen at home? Yes. You have discussions at home. Okay. So I'll I'll took my hand. I've been married for 47 years and I've applied some of the tools that I've learned. I didn't say tricks. I said (laughs) tools. Um, Some of the tools of the drama triangle. And my wife will stop me midstream going, are you using that NBR stuff again? It's like, well, oh, yes, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And she she stopped me at one point. And I, it was a great comment. And and this is for all of you that are are married and in, let's say, the first two or three years, you're supposed to be a listener. You're not supposed to be, not supposed to be coming up with a solution. And engineers, we want to fix things. That's that's how we're wired. My wife wanted a listener. And I think probably any partner wants that ability that they're being heard. So don't add to the drama. Listen. And you'll have more than enough time to come up with an answer or a comment or
1: nothing at all. I think what we've seen in that situation, John, is that you can provide more comfort
0: by listening than asking questions and trying to fix it. Yeah. I mean, put a star on that one because that's really the essence of it. She, my wife is looking for a partner, not, not a judge and not a repair person. It's a participant. And that I think is the important lesson. So, I am very careful of using MBR tools in my home world, but I've used them. Now, when you think about business applications, uh, I keep on thinking about the Chicago Bulls. Now, you're going to hear triangle twice, but the drama triangle is different than um, the other triangle. So good luck, uh, Greg. Um, We we, we talked about this. I, I love this example. But Greg is better qualified in terms of the HR world. Give it a shot, man. Good right. luck.
1: Thanks, John. <laughs> so, John's right. I'm going to intertwine some HR terms uh, with a sports example of a also a business situation. Um, and so, John and I both like Chicago sports, uh, love the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we've been frustrated with other Chicago teams because maybe they win
0: one championship or none. Or uh, uh, building character, or yeah, which is we're, we're <laughs> Chicago and character builders. Yeah. yeah we got Bulls, those.
1: Work in progress. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: and So the, probably a really good example, people think about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan being you know, picked in 1985 and whatever. Uh, but what really was going on was it took them a while to get to those uh, championships, those two three-peats. And think back in the late 80s, 1989, uh, there was a general manager by the name of Jerry Krause, and he sees what's going on. They're winning a couple of games. They're finally getting in the playoffs, but they're just not really advancing. And so he decides I'm going to bring somebody in to help this coach out. Uh, he's got a nice uh, uh, what I call offensive scheme, but unfortunately, uh, the coach at the time, Doug Collins, just really ignored it and just wasn't paying attention. And the team's talents were just not being fully utilized. They just weren't being optimized. And so at this point, um, HR gets involved because we're going to we're, we're going to make a decision to change the leadership <laughs> of the team, the coach of the team.
0: Yeah. And so for Doug. <laughs> We're going to make a change. You're going to make a change, buddy.
1: Yes, yes. And you are the change. And so yeah. um, as I've been involved and seen other folks in HR involved in uh, helping that person with the transition. We've made a decision. You're not going to be the leader or the coach of this team, but we're going to treat you as best as possible. And the team is going to move on. And um, and just so you know, the person that they brought in to do the, um, the Texas, uh, I'm sorry, the, the triangle offense was Tex Winner. And Tex had played, uh, like 800 some college games. I graduated K State. He was a coach there many,
0: many years before I was there. Yeah. He was, he was a coach that was in 800 games. And I think he went 430 or 450 games. So right, he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew exactly what
1: he was doing. And he learned it from another coach, uh, coach Barry at USC, who actually right. in, invented this, but Tex had been using it in college and Jerry wanted to give it a shot. So Jerry's a prosecutor here trying to say, Hey, what are we going to do to get this thing going? Uh, HR ends up being the rescuer. Yes, Doug Collins is the victim because he has to be, uh, moved, uh, moved out of his, of the system there. So then in a very short period of time, we're going from an employee termination to employee performance review. Um, so the GM, Jerry Krause promotes, uh, Mr. Jackson to head coach. So he'd been sitting on the sidelines reporting to Doug Collins. And now he says, Hey, uh, this text winner guy has this, uh, Texas um uh, this, this triangle offense, I think it's gonna be pretty good. Let's let's get it going. But guess what? There's a guy who you'll never believe was a victim, but was yeah. a victim, right? Yeah. Michael Jordan, could you say that, John? Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I'm positive. He's never gonna say himself as a victim
1: at all. At all. <laughs> But indeed he was, and he wanted to win as bad as everybody else wanted to win championships. And so they had to sit down with Michael and say, Hey, Michael, we got to do this um, offense. You were trying to do this other offense. If the ball was running through you, et cetera, we need to run this uh, offensive scheme a little bit differently. Um, and so we're starting with you because we need you to make this work. And we need to hear what your concerns are. We're going to have civil conversation. Uh,
0: but we're, we need to come out of this meeting, this discussion, with a plan to move forward with this triangle offense. Yeah, and in, they needed Michael to buy-in first because the last thing they needed is their superstar that come out whining and complaining that Doug is gone. I, I always like to throw in this one tidbit. Okay, so just a, a bit of a pause. Who did Michael Jordan hire as his coach when he finally left the Bulls and and owned a team back on the East Coast? Mister Doug Collins. Yeah, so you know he didn't he didn't buy it all the way because he liked what Doug was doing, but. This is where Jerry and Phil were saying to the victim, the superstar you, you need to understand we're changing and it was I think it was somewhat of, um, a minor veiled threat that we have to change. I think they were trying to make it more of uh, it's going to be better and you have to trust us, but they were trying to get ahead of him sitting in the group because they'd all follow him. And if they said, you know, they they did it to Doug, don't let it happen. They would have made Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson's career a, a, a real challenge. And I thought it was a very smart move to pull him to the side first.
1: Absolutely. Again, we talk about communication, the importance of communication, especially in a process kind of fashion. And so now we got Michael on board. He's understanding what's going on. And says, okay, so we've got the prosecutor, Phil Jackson. He's our head coach now. We've got a person by name of Tex Winter, assistant coach, and he says, "Okay, I got the scheme, guys. I got the plans, um, but what we needed now was the team—the entire yeah. team, not just the superstar Michael, but the entire team—to understand what's going on, how this new offense works, what their role is to play. Listen to Tex and uh, implementing this new offensive scheme." And so that was the third series in, in a triangle, so to speak, uh, of drama. But the third series of the, the third segment of the discussion, and. If you don't remember back in the late '80s and early '90s, uh, it was very successful. The Bulls were able to win six out of eight championships in a row, so two three-peats. And then, as John reminded me, where did Mister Jackson
0: go after he left the, the Bulls? Let's see. The other place won three championships in a row. That would be the Lakers.
1: The Lakers. And so you got and who did he and, and
0: who did he take with him? Who did he take with him? Tax. He took Tex with him. He took Tex with him. You know, he, he he brought he brought the assistant coach that you know Doug wasn't listening to. He he took him along off to off to California, and all of a sudden, they won three more championships.
1: So you got, and so now you got Kobe, and you got Shaq, and you got Texas as a rescuer.
0: Right, and and now a Chicago fan should never say this, but I'll, I'll say it out loud: we could have had three more. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What happened? I mean, what, what could it possibly
0: change with that success, John? That, that would be Jerry Cross. So thank you, Jerry, for building more Chicago character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so more drama happened after the Bulls left and after um, you know, Michael left, they dismantled the team and um, the rest is history.
0: Yeah. Well, then it, it, what was interesting is there was a discussion and there was a whole different way of listening and communicating at the front end of the process to how it degraded at the end. And then it became a, a, a true drama. And since we're you know, we we're, we're fans and we're watching this happen before our eyes, it's like, don't do it. But it's that conversation that unless you are able to pull people back, get them to the facts rather than the emotions, that's what carries the day. So. I hope this helps in terms of talking about drama and how it can affect uh, your ability to lead, um, th- the tools that you can use in your toolbox to challenge it. Uh, we talk about self-awareness. That's that's the other key when you're dealing with um, these kind of issues with drama. And uh, I hope that helps. Greg, for our next podcast, what are we going to be talking about? so imagine the concept of being in the now yeah yeah so that isn't an original concept but dr durst does a very good job of talking about how being in the now is is the critical element of a lot of what he talks about being responsible is being in the now and i think we are going to get uh to the point where we talk about our commercial um my book, Building Your Leadership Toolbox, is available on amazon.com and lulu.com. My podcast, Thank You, You Have Found It. I appreciate it. And the MBR program with Dr. Durst is found on successgrowthacademy.com. The music is brought to you by my grandson. Greg, it's been fun.
1: Thanks, John. As always,
0: next time.